0: That song, that was like a staple when I was growing up. I mean, that's we sang that. I was fully, fully Baptist growing up in the Baptist church. So <laughs> That was just what we sang, and I remember it so well. Such a good song. But we're going to talk about that today by the time we're finished, and we're going to end singing that together and exactly what that song means. I know the last couple of times I've stood before you here, I brought up music a lot, and I brought up hymns and psalms and Words of praise and things that we're supposed to comfort ourselves with, and that that hasn't changed. I'm just—we're all in seasons. I mean, I'm not going to turn to Ecclesiastes and read all of it. We know what he says in Ecclesiastes three—that what there's a time for everything. There is a time for everything, for living and dying and reaping and sowing, and, and grieving and rejoicing. <clears throat> well, we're in a, We're in. We're all in different seasons. And here's the thing is, this season of the year has a tendency to bring us into a different season in our lives. It doesn't matter how long our loved ones have been gone or those who are sick, if it's been a day or it's been 50 years. We still draw back on those memories that we had during that time. That's what makes us human. That's, that's, and To me, that's a good thing. People say, well, that's a terrible thing. It's not. If you have memories of your loved ones, every one of those memories is a treasure. It's a positive thing. Because guys, there's people who, some people who don't have memories with their family. And the ones they have, they're not good. You treasure those good memories. Those times. This will be our first Christmas without my dad. Everybody in here is going to have a Christmas without someone. Right? But we draw on the, what, we, what we did have. What was, and they say what was is not what is. That's fine. I can still draw on those memories. I can still find comfort in those things. I'm still a created being, and I know my Lord loves me, and and He does want to comfort me in this time. So tonight, that's what we're going to talk about, and it's not going to be. I, I hate to say briefly because then it ends up being four hours. But I mean, I really, I really just want to bring that point home. And what we're talking about tonight, if you want to turn in your Bible, it's not up there, but it's in Second Corinthians. Chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. It, I say it's a simple text, but it's so meaningful, it's so deep. Because there's two truths that we find in this that if, if you really are safe tonight and you're filled with the Spirit of God, these two truths, will it, your spirit will speak to the Spirit through the Spirit and you will understand in a greater depth what God has done, the provision that He's made for you and I on this side of heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-7, through 7, read it this way. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Now that's a title. That's the title of this message. He is the, the Father of all mercies. The Father is the One who births anything into existence. Mercy came from one and one alone, and that is God. But He doesn't end there. He's merciful, He is the Father of mercies, but He is the God of all comfort. And that's the thing I want you to see. Not just comfort for me and not just comfort for you, but even comfort for those who aren't saved. God comforts His creation. God loves His creation fully. He is constantly calling and drawing His creation back to Him. It says, "...the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions." So that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by. Now, that's Paul. Paul. Paul speak, and we're going to break that down. Then he goes on to say, "For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ." How it's through through Christ, not right. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we find it. But if we are afflicted. It is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer. Here we go. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. Father, we thank you so much for this time, Lord. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that I have the ability through the Spirit of God to speak this word the way that I've understood it, Lord. Father, and if it's not right, God, then change it now. God, let it touch someone today. Give us the hope and the comfort that we need, God. Let us walk all the days of our lives in Your mercy, God, trusting in You, Father, that You will be our provision. In our time of need, You will be there. Father, just as You have every other time. God, we will not be together as a corporate body again, Lord, until December the 31st. Father, I pray that through this message, Lord, we can all be comforted and that God will call on one another at the time whenever it's needed. That God will be sure to reach out to one another, to reassure one another, to comfort one another through the holidays. Father, we'll be sure to give you the honor and the glory and the praise. This in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 1, 3-7, focusing on the first... <laughs> we're just going to focus, focus on the first two. I'm going to read it again. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is God, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Now there's lots. You can go in the back. I believe it's still up in the back between the restrooms in the back. There is a, It's on the wall and it's got all the names. Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Emmanuel. We we can name all the names. But right now in this season of Brother Matt's life, this has brought me more comfort than any of those names. I'm glad that he's Emmanuel. I'm glad he's God with us. I'm glad he's my Messiah. He's my salvation. But let me tell you something. I am glad tonight. I'm glad that He is the Father of all mercy. All mercy. And let me explain something to you. We talk about something called common grace. You may hear Brother Scott talk about it, me, different ones. The Word of God speaks of something called common grace. That means grace given to those regardless if they deserve it as the world thinks or not. Common grace falls on the just and the unjust. You know, that's what makes God just. What makes God just is that He's not a respecter of persons. What makes God just is that the same afflictions that afflict me afflict someone who's not born again. That's a just God. He doesn't pick and choose who's going to get the best and who's not going to get. That's not how this works. Thank God it's not how it works. I want a just God just as I would want a just judge. When I stood before Him, I would want Him to charge me the way He should because should something happen to my loved one, I definitely don't want Him to skirt around what the truth is. I want want it to be right. And listen, we can know that our God is right. But He's the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He didn't say the God of some comforts or the God of the comforts that are given to you through the Bible or by the Word or the inspired prophecies of the prophet, of the church, of the apostle. Because the... guys, we see that all the time, let's be honest. There is so much foolishness in this world coming from pulpits and from men of God who are not really men of God. And that, that is more apparent every single day of my life. God is the God of all comfort. Then he says, comfort. Let's talk about what comfort is just for a moment. Comfort is 3874 in the Greek. This is how it's defined. It's consolation. We heard that word this morning, didn't we? Okay. It's solace. We, We sang that song earlier. It's compassion. Jesus Christ had compassion over and over. We see in the Word of God, He was moved with what? Compassion for them. He was moved for compassion for them, just as we should be. It's sympathy. You should be sympathetic for the plight of the world. I love that we've been going through Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7, and, and he's talking about being sympathetic for someone and providing support from someone is, as he was telling them, if your brother or your sister comes to you and says to you, hey, I really need some food and I really need some water, and you say, okay, go and be well. That's really great. Go ahead. Have you really done anything? No, you have not. Matter of fact, I would say that you've made the name of the Lord vain if you claim to be His child. The world needs to know that God cares for them. How does the world know that God cares for Him? Through me and you. God has given us His Spirit so that we might show the world that there is a God, that there is a Son, that there is something better. That's mercy. He has shown us such great mercy in our lives and all He's asked us to do is to return that favor to others. Then He says, who comforts us, I love this, verse 3, I mean verse 4. Okay, so He is the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our afflictions, all of them guys, regardless of what they are, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. In other words, he says this, I'm going to give you comfort, but I don't want you to keep that to yourself, child of God. That comfort that I've given to you, I want you to take that comfort that you have and I want you to bestow it on others. I want you to love other people. That's one of the last songs that we sang. Love one another. Take it to the Lord in prayer, but listen, in the end, love one another like you're supposed to. Love covers a multitude of sins. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what abides? Faith, hope, and love. But these three abide. These three things last. We've got to be a loving people. We've got to be a caring people. Then he says, we're going to read it again, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Now I want you to notice this that a child of God, a believer, can be in the middle of affliction and comfort other people in the middle of their affliction. Now that, that doesn't make any sense, does it? How, how is that possible, brother? Now how is it possible that at the lowest point of my life, when I think nothing is going to go right, everything is dark, and my heart feels like it's being ripped out of my chest, I can turn to someone else and comfort them in their time of need? You've been doing it for months. Church, we've been doing it for months. That's what God's people look like. And and this is just, there's who's here is who's here. But I'm telling you, that's what God's people look like. And I've been watching it for years at this church. I've been here over 10 years. And I've watched us comfort one another, love one another, be there for one another. Even sometimes whenever, as the world would say, we don't deserve it. Even in a Christian fellowship, maybe we don't deserve it. Because we were actually working outside of God's will. But we still loved each other regardless. We were there to comfort one another. Who gave you the comfort to start with? It was God. God gave you the comfort and then you chose to obey His Word and to comfort those in need. And this this analogy has been used many times and this is one of the problems. There are people that walk into churches every Sunday and people look down on them and despise them and they never come back into church. But they could go and sit down on a bar stool or anywhere else in the world and there's someone who will comfort them with the comfort of the world. Listen, the world, the world has a way of comforting you. You know, the, the number one way of comforting yourself with the world is drugs, alcohol, sexual immorality, anything that takes your focus off of what your true problem is. Here's the problem. Once you wake up from this whatever or you've satiated that need, it's even worse. It's even worse because you can't escape reality. You cannot escape the truth of what this world is. People spend their whole lives doing that and they die an addict. They die of alcohol, they die of drugs, they die of whatever, because they never want to deal with reality. When there's a God that's merciful and just and loves them, and He wants to comfort them, and we see people have breakthroughs. We've had people come to this altar in the last 10 years that there's no way that they can say that they didn't know who the Lord was. They cannot say that by coming to this fellowship, That they did not know the truth of what God's people look like. And yet they left this place and went back out into the world and they did their own thing and now they're back in prison. They're in jail. Is that my fault or yours? No, certainly not. Guess what we all get to make? Choices. This may not seem very biblical because it's not, but I'm going to recite something to you because most of you will know it. Y'all know who George Jones is in the end stages of a person's life, people really start to understand things. But he had a song, and it came to my mind the other day. The song was called Choices. I've had choices since the day that I was born. There were voices that told me right from wrong. If I had listened, I wouldn't be here today living and dying in the choices I've made. That sounds like a man that's understood something about living. Sounds Ecclesiastes type. Sounds like something from the Old Testament, like a proverb. Do you, understand, do you understand that the preacher said this on a Tuesday night and it probably didn't go over well in everybody's heart and mind because I dealt with it for a little while. He said on a sliding scale, if we had a sliding scale here, would you be closer to Adolf Hitler or would you be closer to God? Well, you would be closer to Adolf Hitler. I'm more like an evil person of the world than I am the perfect God of all eternity. But I find myself in this season of my life, whenever I feel like I need comfort, instead of reaching out to the Lord like the the song said, I feel like there's something that I should do. And then I I seem to think that maybe I'm more like Job. Right? But I'm not like Job. I'm like George Jones. And George Jones, you know who he's like? Jonah. Because he got himself in every one of those situations. Jonah, Jonah would have done what God said. He'd never been swallowed by a whale. Let me explain something. I'm just being honest with you tonight. Most of us are way more like Jonah than we are like Job. We're not righteous people. We are living in the choices that we made and the deeds that we did and we are reaping and sowing those things. In my marriage, in my my relationships with my family, with my son, that's the rest of my life. The rest of my life, I will live out things based on the way that I lived my life before Christ because He never took all that away. But I have something now. I have a merciful God who has forgiven me. Forgiven all my sins. And I have a God who wants to comfort me when those things pop up in my head. Different people's intrusive thoughts are different. I have intrusive thoughts like this whenever my son is a little boy. And he's playing with a plane and he keeps doing what I tell him not to and I break it in half and throw it away. That's hateful. I was a hateful man. I, and I've got a bunch of stories like that. And what's sad is is that in the midst of, of trying to be a good father and be a good teacher and be a good Christian and be a good leader in this fellowship, those things come to me. And you know what I have to do? I have to remember that I have a merciful Father who's forgiven me for every one of them. When I think of every fight I have with my father, when I think of all the times I didn't listen to him, the ugly things he said to me, I have to remember that's not reality. Listen, that's not reality. Reality is that a merciful God saved Matt Douglas McNeely the senior and he's in heaven with his heavenly father. That's reality. Now I can dwell on the past and I can think of those things. That brings me no comfort. And God wants to comfort me. Don't dwell on the negatives. Don't. Daddy told me after Momo died. He said, son, once you get far enough away from from the death, you don't even remember that. You don't remember. He said, I don't remember any of that stuff. I don't remember the bad. All I remember are the good things. Because now that I don't have any of it, I just wish I had something of it. And in the midst of that, God wants to comfort us, and He comforted him. He's comforting me. He's comforting you. That's what God does. Why? Because He is the the what, the God of all comfort. That's amazing. All the comfort that's given to me, to you, to the world, that's what God is. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7 <clears throat> and 28 talks about, we all know what it's about, we're talking about spiritual gifts. But building on that premise that we just saw where He said, listen, the, the comfort that I've given you as a believer, I want you to take that comfort and even in the midst of Your terrible affliction, I want you to comfort others. How do I have the ability to do that? Through the Spirit of God. Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all purses. Why? But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It's given to us for the common good of the believer. But not just the common good of the believer, but those that are on the outside. How many people have you comforted as a believer that were unbelievers? Well, you know that whenever that person calls you, because I had this happen this week. What about the person who calls or texts you and says, hey, I need you to pray. I really need you to pray and they are a scoundrel. Let's be honest, just like I was. Such were some of you, they were who I was. Now, but do you know it brings comfort to that individual that we pray for them? They didn't call us and ask us just to do it. That comforts them, even though they're an unbeliever. They find comfort in the fact that someone that they feel is godly is able to reach out to God on their behalf. That's what you and I do. It's the common good, not just of the... Listen, it's not just the common good of the church, but the world. Jesus came here for the common good of humanity, not just the church. He came here for the common good of humanity. And then verse 28 tells us, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, then prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing. But here's the one, helps. Helps. And when we define helps out, it's just someone who renders assistance or aid. Have you helped someone? Have you helped someone in their time of need? That's a spiritual gift that's given to you by the Spirit of God. There's a reason that you were able to do that, especially in the midst of your affliction, in the midst of, Where you were, you're still able to offer that. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. So don't be prideful or boast. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. God is the one who has given you this comfort. And now He said, I just need you to share it. Because listen, there's a world out there that's hurting, that's dying and is lost. And I'm going to be honest with every one of you. If I didn't have you guys, I don't know what I would do half the time. I mean, over the last 10 years, I really don't know what I would have done. The times that You've comforted me through words. The times You've comforted me through worship. The times You've comforted me so that I could pay my bills so my family could eat. That's all rendering aid. And we do that, and we do that, and we do that because we're God's children. And because we understand how merciful God was to us and the comfort He's given us and then we turn around and do the same for others. That's beautiful. That's what, whenever it says a sweet savor that goes up to heaven, I I just have to believe... He is so pleased with His children. I, that's just how I see it. When we see in the two the little Johns, as we call them, that's, that's how those letters open. I, I, I'm happy to see what I'm seeing. It's great for me to hear that you're growing in grace and you're growing in goodness and it's good to see my children grow. And Paul talks about those that he says he birthed into this. How, how much does this mean to you as a pastor, as a youth leader, as a song leader, as a mother, as a father? You birth children into the world. Thank God the ones we have here are raising their children. They really are. And raising them up in the way they should go. Right? But are you doing the same? Do you have that same passion and fervor for that which God has given you as a congregation, as a group of kids that run the sound in the back? Thank God for the sound. Runners in the back. It's pretty serious. It really is a serious situation. Are you being serious about those things? Because... Where we go next is in Galatians chapter six and verse two. I know we just got out of it, but preacher, sure we got to go back there. Because we find two things just not very not very far from one another. We find in the opening of Galatians six and two, he says this bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Did you hear that? Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are supposed to help one another in our time of need. 2 Corinthians 1 and 4, what we just read, in the time whenever God gives us comfort in the middle of our affliction, we turn around and give that comfort to them. That's the same comfort that God comforted us with. There's so much comfort in that verse. How can you not be comforted by reading that God, is, all He wants to do is comfort you. I mean, I know that He can't physically reach down and pick us up and hold us, but I promise you He has every one of us in the palm of His hand. That song that we sang when we were kids, He's got the whole world in His hands. That is a reality. He has every one of us. The little bitty baby. The person at church that is a knucklehead. Every single soul. He has every single soul in His hand. And His will, His desire is to comfort you. His ultimate desire is... Is through mercy is to forgive you of your sins so you can spend eternity with this, with he and his son in heaven. That's why he sent him to die. And then goes a step further. 9 through 10, Galatians 6, 9 through 10, like say it goes, This is you and I. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Don't stop doing what's right. Even in the midst of your greatest suffering, when things are terrible. I don't expect you to smile and tell me the seven awesomest jokes you just learned. But don't stop doing what God's called you to do. You know what perseverance looks like? That is being up here and playing and singing and doing and teaching in the midst of a time in your life where you would rather be in a hole or in your bed covered up over your head or just not even here at all in the whole world. That's a reality for the believer and the unbeliever. But this is what he says. He says in 10, so then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. What are we in here? We're the household of faith. We're supposed to do good for one another and to one another and we're supposed to help one another. What does that look like for each person? If you don't tell me, a lot of times I don't know. I like to suffer in silence. That's just the truth. It's between me and God. I love my brother I love my mom, I love my son, I love brother Josh, I love the pastor. None of them can help me what I'm going through right now in my life. They pray for me. They comfort me with their words, with their smiles, with their laughter, with the fact that I know that they're praying for me. But listen, there's some things only God can help you with. That's just the way it is. In the places where I am in my life, I need God to move on my behalf. But you know what the Word says? The righteous man's prayers do what? They availeth much. There's a lot that comes from a righteous man's prayer. So it brings me comfort to know that all these men and women are praying on my behalf. It brings me great comfort because I know I'm not alone in this thing. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not by myself. I love the fact that God's Word says that we're fellow workmen with Christ, with God. Like we're working in this thing and we're working together. He gives us what we need. We turn around and we give it to those who are also in need. It's a reciprocal thing. But Galatians 6 and 5 is talking about self-examination. He already told us that we're going to bear one another's burdens. But in 6 and 5, he says, "...for each one will bear his own load." Well, that own load, thankfully... Listen, don't let people tell you that own load is, well, you got problems and you need to deal with them. That's not what he's talking about at all. What he's talking about is self-examination. Because let's read what comes before it. "...but to each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone." and not regard to another, for each one will bear his own load. You need to examine yourself, the motives, the reasons. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why do you say why? Self-examination is something that we have to do as teachers. We have to be introspective once we've taught a lesson, once we've done something, what worked, what didn't work. We have to write all this stuff down. We're supposed to be doing that every day. We're supposed to have a self-examination of who we are. Are we being merciful to others? Are we comforting those who are in need? Because you read the Beatitudes, that's what it's all about. It's about comfort and mercy. All the way from the start to the beginning, to the end. <clears throat> the last thing we'll talk about, if you would, is John 14, 16-18. If, if you don't feel comforted, I'm going to pray for you. If you're not feeling comforted, reach out to the Lord. Because one of the things that He said and I love it. I'm reading it in the KJV because it, it actually gives the name. And I love that. He says in John 14:16 through 18, He says, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter. That's There it is. Another comforter that He may abide with you forever. You hear that? Even in the worst of times, I say this a lot, but I agree with it. Elijah, a whole, whole bunch of people died. And then Elijah thought he was going to die and he ran off and laid under a tree and asked God. He just wanted to die. Read that again forever. God didn't leave him there. Actually, God called Grubhub and sent him something to eat. That's what happened. He sent him some food. And then the angel came and woke him up and said, eat and drink. And then he fell asleep and then the angel woke him again and said, eat and drink. Because guess what? You're about to go 40 days on what you just consumed. And 40 days later... He shows up at a widow's house and everybody's about to die. You, you, that's the mercifulness of God. And through that mercy, what happened? He comforted him and brought him back from where he was. God is not giving up on anyone. Not anyone. God does not give up on His people. We give up on ourselves because we listen to the enemy. We give up on ourselves. We've got to stop doing that. Are we going to sin every day? Most certainly. But He's the. He is the... Father of mercy. Do you think the Father of mercy cannot forgive you? Then you need to read 1 John a whole lot more. A whole lot more. Then he says, Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees Him not, neither knows Him. But ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come. Jesus was... Jesus ascended, did He? But He said He was going to come back in the form of what? God, they're they're equal. They're co-equal. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit because that's Jesus. Jesus said, I will not leave you without a comforter. We have a comforter. That comforter lives within us. Each and every one of us. Are you speaking to the Lord? Are you praying? I believe you are. Continue to do that. Because He wants to comfort you. I promise you, He wants to comfort you. I gave all of you some, some lyrics to a song. Those who want to play, well, y'all can come up here whenever <clears throat> you get ready. This hymn was written by, in 1890 by Francis Batom. He, um, he was born in Derbyshire, England and migrated to the U.S. in 1850. So he was an immigrant. He immigrated here in 1850. He entered the ministry of the Methodist Episcopalian Church, receiving a degree in theology in 1872. Okay, so this is, this is old. So he wrote this song, and it's called The Comforter Has Come. I know most of you have heard it. We, we, don't, we don't have it in our hymnals. But I want to read it to you. <clears throat> All the verses, I want to read them to you, and I want us to look at what is being said here. Because we just learned that the Comforter is the Spirit of God it's the Holy Ghost that was given to each and every one of us. Not because we prayed through after we were saved, but at the moment of our salvation, when justification came, we were filled with the Spirit of God. We were not left to our own devices. We were not left by the Father of all creation to, for us to figure out how to fill that vessel so that something in the meantime could come and fill it. No, we were filled with the Spirit of God. So he says this in verse one: 1, oh, O spread the tidings round wherever man is found. That sounds to me like what? Matthew, the end of Matthew. We're supposed to do what? Spread the Gospel to everyone. That's what he's talking about. Wherever human hearts and human woes abound, may it just look around us, church. You don't have to go far. Let every Christian tongue proclaim the joyful sound. The Comforter has come. That's a promise. And The chorus is, The Comforter has come. The Comforter has come. The Holy Ghost from heaven... The Father's promise given. Oh, spread the tidings round wherever man is found. The Comforter has come. And listen, there was a time, especially during that time, when this was very meaningful. I mean, it should be now to all of us. We've, we've sang it, but do you understand what he just said? The Comforter has come. Jesus Christ has sat down at the right hand of the Father. He prayed the Father. The Father sent the Comforter, and he is now with us here. Verse 2 The long, long night is past. The morning breaks at last, and hush the dreadful wail and fury of the blast. As o'er the golden hills the day advances fast, the Comforter has come. Lo, the great King of kings, with healing in His wings, to every captive soul a full deliverance brings. And through the vacant cells the song of triumph rings, the Comforter has come. And you would have to go and study the lyrics, but... I love that he's using actually and Through the Vacant Cells the Song of Triumph rings. Paul and Barnabas. He got that from them being in there. because there's Everything's open. Everybody could have left, but yet they did not. Oh, boundless love divine. This one is hard. This one was a hard one. Oh, boundless love divine, how shall this tongue of mine to wandering mortals tell the matchless grace divine. It's hard to tell the wonders of who He is. That I, a child of hell, Should in His image shine, the Comforter has come. Sing till the echoes fly above the vaulted sky, in all the saints above to all below we pry, in strains of endless love, the song that ne'er will die. You see that? The song that will never die. The Comforter has come. (laughs)